Oh, that was very kind, Milton. Uh, thank you very much. Probably the only other time I'll get words like that is at my funeral, so. <laughs> thank you for that. Um, yes, I, I've, I, we've, we haven't been here for six years. We come and visit every once in a while. My daughter uh, goes to church here um, because she, she needs a, a, a college and career group, and our church is small. But but I've I've wanted to to be able to stand in front of you as a as a congregation and just tell you thank you for for those uh, six months. I know it seemed like two years. I appreciate that. But uh, it was important. It was it was strategic. It was uh, just an amazing time for us. We we were at the church for fifteen years. Left there and obviously were you know hurting. Had some some wounds in this church was salve. I mean, it truly healed our, our wounds. It uh, was encouraging. Amen. I agree with that. And yeah, and, and, and I really appreciated that, uh, uh Milton, uh, I didn't really know him very well, but you, you'll appreciate this story. We kind of knew each other, um, as friends, uh, or as acquaintances, the first day I walked in, he looked at me, he says, hey, man, what, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be, you know, in Menifee. And and I and I just just water works. And uh, I said, well, wow, you got to go preach after that. <laughs> but it was it was great for us. Um, we ended up finding a core group here. Uh, core, yeah, that's right. Core group. Yeah. Care group. Sorry. Core group at our church. Care group at your church. Uh, it's real close, but a uh, uh, care group, and, and it was amazing how God did that. It was uh, just perfect for us as a church. Our, our three kids, it was the first time they haven't been at that church. They were kind of born there, and, and uh, you, you know, the, the courses, the Lamones, the, the, I mean, I'll forget people now that I start mentioning names, but uh, the Kearns, uh, um, uh, the Joneses, Danny, where's Danny? Yeah, all these people were just strategic to us. They met the needs of our kids, and um, I really want, want to say thank you for that. And um, <laughs> funny note, not so funny, I guess. God had uh, caused me to to leave that church before because he, he benched me. I needed to grow in an area, and I needed to grow in the area of sanctification and just understanding grace. The first sermon I heard Milton teach was was about uh, glorifying, enjoying uh, Christ. And, and I got all excited. I went home in my backyard. I was ready to do that. I was going to praise, praise God for all I was through Christ. And I sat down for 15 seconds and that was it. So I've learned a lot since then. And that was a starting point. And I, I really do honestly appreciate that. Thank you very much. Well, as I come before you this morning, and, and, and honestly, I've never preached at a church this big, so it's a little nervous. There's people all over praying for me, and thank you. But but, but as I, I come before you to, today, I, I, I want to share a passage that means a lot to me. It's something that we've lived out. It's something that, that's become our life, and it's James 1, 2 through 4. Um, you might, as Milton mentioned, that my oldest son's uh, not here today. Uh, my oldest son uh, um, graduated master's uh, uh, college, uh, university now, sorry. 
and, and he started a seminary the, the very next semester, and then all of a sudden something started happening, and, and we just didn't know. He, he started losing energy. And, 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 you know, he's getting tired all the time, and his, his mind was just kind of foggy. It was hard for him to go to class. He, he finished up the first semester, started the second, and just had to drop out. Life just got pretty tough. And we started going to doctors and really couldn't find a doctor that understood and and in the process started thinking that it was probably related to some of his past concussions. He had had quite a few. And we started trying to figure these things out. And one doctor said it probably is post-concussion syndrome. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but we've only heard about it, didn't know what that was. Now we know way too much. But in the process, we tried to go to doctors and, you know, our, our doctors network, they didn't really know what to do. And we fought around and, you know, and tried to get things going. And it was really frustrating, to say the least, to see your 23-year-old son who was, as a mind, just sharp. Um, you know, he's putting my, uh, my, my abilities at seminary to shame. He was learning languages and theology and all that. And just all of a sudden now... It was it was hurting, not just painful, but couldn't think. To one day he he called me up. This was just a few weeks ago. He called me up and and uh, said he was hurting. And I came home and and uh, and it was probably his worst day. Took him ten fifteen minutes just to put his shoes on. Uh, he was rolling his head on the wall just to try to alleviate some of the pain. And we had absolutely no answer at all. You know, one doctor thinks it's this, another doctor thinks it was that. And I, I, I sat there after he, he went uh, taking a nap. I sat in the couch and I was angry. I don't know if you've ever gotten angry like that before, but I was angry. I was wanting to honestly punch something. And I was sitting there and I had a Bible study that I had to teach that that night we have a uh, a men's discipleship group on Friday on Wednesday night and and it's amazing what God is doing there is is just only something God can do and and, and I hated to miss it but I'm thinking man I just just can't do it I started thinking and said okay I'll go and I went back to my office and started studying and I just started being hit with the reality of who God is. And, and, and as I started reminding myself of the greatness and the glory of God, all of this other stuff started to make sense a bit. And as, if I'm, as I'm, and I'm looking at, at my son, and man, this is difficult, what he's going through and all this stuff, but then you see that in the light of the greatness and the glory of God, it all makes sense, amen? And I don't know how it makes sense. I haven't figured it out yet. But I know God is good and he is working good and he is going to do something good in that situation. It's our hope and it's our plea as people come and they ask and, you know, and they'll, they'll say, hey, I'm I'm sorry about what's going on in Troy's life. And I'm like, hey, this is good. I have no idea what the good is, and I don't even know if I'm, you know, if I'm going to be able to see the good. God's good might look totally different than my good, 
But God is going to do something wonderful in this. And he's going to do something great. And James chapter 1 has become our hope. It's become our, our foundation. It's become we haven't left too far from there. And just reminding ourselves of, of, of who he is. And that he has promised to do good for those who love him. Amen. Just to bring you a, uh, just to bring you up to speed on the book of J- James, I'm sure y'all y'all have heard of the book before, and I'm sure you've you've studied it. But the uh, book of James is is to a, a group of people, and we really don't know a lot of details a, a, about it. But it's to a group of people we believe that was part of the Jewish dispersion, and uh, James was more than likely the the brother of Jesus was more than likely their pastor. And they had been pushed out because of all the persecution to Mesopotamia, and they were suffering. And James has now written this letter to them to try to encourage them, to try to, to help bolster their faith, to, to, to keep them from falling so they might be strong. He writes this letter. And in the letter, other than the, the greetings, the first words of the letter are, Consider it all joy. Amen. Amen. So let's let's look at this passage. I'm going to read it uh, this morning, if you don't mind. And I don't know your tradition, but uh, would you mind standing for the reading of God's word? James, chapter one, two through four. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. May God bless the reading of his word. You you may be seated. Since I just realized we hadn't prayed, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, this morning as we come before you, Lord, we realize that there's people in this room in all kinds of places and situations. Some, Lord, that are going through difficulties that they can't understand, they can't explain, and it's just hard to see your goodness. It's hard to enjoy, it's hard to glorify you in the midst. And others, Lord, we just find ourselves maybe a little bit impatient, maybe a little bit um, a little bit irritated. And Lord, maybe we just aren't as, uh, as patient as we might like. Father, I pray that, that you might be with us this morning. Just help us bathe our minds in the reality Father, that you're good. Lord, allow our minds to just be transformed and to be to be uh, filled with the, the reality of your goodness. Lord, I pray that you, you might allow us to see that in each and every situation, no matter how hard it might be, Lord, you are doing something that is glorious and great. Why? Because you're a great and glorious God. Father, I pray that you bless 
this morning's word as we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at the first point this morning, our first point, and by the way, that's an amazing little picture, isn't he? I, I call him Johnny. I don't know who he is, but anytime I use a boy like that, that's Johnny, isn't it? Johnny just got in trouble. That's why he's looking like that. <laughs> Y'all know Johnny. First point we're going to look at is believe that God is working good in our circumstances. Believe that God is working good in our circumstance. What does it mean to consider it all joy? At the very least, it's a paradigm shift, isn't it? At the very least, to consider it all joy is a paradigm shift. Because most of my circumstances and situations in my life, I get frustrated. There's tension, there, there's, there, there's things that are going on in my mind. I, I just don't see it as good. I, I don't like things, certain things in my life. You might say, ah, I'm pretty good. You're just overly sensitive. I don't have that stuff in my life. You probably don't. But, but you might on the freeway, right? Right? You know, you're on the freeway and somebody cuts you off and, 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 and that was your spot. right? You wanted that spot and you get a little frustrated. Or maybe you come home and the kids knocked over that priceless vase, destroyed it, put super glue on it, tried to act like they didn't do it. Right? A little frustrating, right? a little, little hard to, to, to look and to see how that's good. Or, or maybe your dog, you got a new puppy and you had brand new furniture and he just chewed the leg right up. Great memories in the future, but right now you're pretty ticked, right? I mean, how, what do you do with that? How do, you, how do you put that in perspective? Or maybe somebody says something to you. And man, it's just hard swallowing that pill. You know, that was tough. Man, that was hard. And how do we look at these things in our lives that cause frustration? You know, cause discontentment. Why is it that I can't find joy? In all of these situations, have you ever struggled with that? Ask those questions. The answer, according to James, is because we don't see God working good in them. We don't see God working good in them. Let's just take a look at verse 2. James uh, 2, um, James 1, uh, verse 2 says this, says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you fall in the various various trials. Now, the question is, what does he mean to consider it joy? What does it mean to consider joy? And what he means is this. To consider it joy is to say that, look, I know that my sovereign God only does good things. Amen? And my sovereign God that only good does good things, that sent his son to die on the cross for my, Savior, for my sin and has given me blessings instead of wrath, that same good God is in charge of all of my circumstances. And that same good God is going to work good in my life. The Greek word there for consider is... Uh, 
And it actually means to believe or to think. It's, it's, it's an absolute. It's, it's a command. He says, look, I want you to think of these things this way. Now, the, the reality is that we don't naturally see trials in our life as good. It's not something that we're going to wake up in the morning and, and, and wake up in the flesh and naturally says, oh, wasn't that good that my dog just ate the furniture, Right. It's just not not naturally going to come that way. It's only something that we can understand in the spirit as we as we remind ourselves of who God is. And we can start getting that perspective. But it's something that is a command that we have to see in a certain way. The word consider uh, in the English, we think of it as something that's relative. You know, oh, well, you can. You know, you can see your trials as good or you can see them as bad as it's up to you. It's all right. And that's not what the Greek word is saying at all. He's saying, look, if, if, if you want to grow spiritually, and we're going to get into that in a minute. If you want to grow spiritually, it's through changing the perspective you have on your trials. There's no other way of doing it is by seeing that God is doing something good. I I never really saw myself as a disgruntled, discontent person. But as I started learning this verse, I mean, it was just amazing how much stuff comes up in my life that causes me discontentment and frustration. I don't know about you, but do you ever see that? The reason is because I just don't see that God is doing good. I, I, I don't understand it that way. I lose my perspective. How do I? Wow. Hey, it moves. How do I keep that perspective? I worship James one seventeen. Now, I know when we think of this passage, uh, James one, two through four, the most of you think, of, well, this is a passage on patience, right? Wow, that's just really uh, it was unfortunate that they translated uh, that, that word uh, um, uh, patience. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. It's, it's not it's not patience at all. This passage isn't really about patience. This passage is different. What he's what he's saying is this passage is really about worship. Isn't that weird? It's about worship. Learning to deal with your trials and learning to find joy in the middle of your trials is actually a byproduct of worship. I really appreciated this morning's worship. Did you enjoy that? Amen. And, and, and did you feel yourself as you walk in the room, you kind of walk in the room with a lot of worries and a lot of things on your mind, your, your brain's like a thousand miles away. I, I felt that way. And then all of a sudden you started remembering who Christ is, what he's done for you. You start focusing on that. And what did that do? The worries just started going away, didn't they? And then you found this peace and this enjoyment because you saw a bigger God. And the more we spend time seeing God, our God gets bigger and we start understanding that. And you can look at James 1 and verse 17 and understand that this is not a coincidence. James brings this verse to us in 117 so that we might understand how to consider it joy. We can consider it joy. Why? Listen to this, verse 17. Because every good thing, every good thing given in every perfect gift is a from above coming down from the father of lights whom uh, with with whom there is no variation or, or shifting of shadows isn't that a beautiful verse about the glory of god 
And he's trying to show us in there just how good God is. And he wants us to see that, look, look, if God is that good, if that who he's that that's who he is, he's so good and there's no way that he can change. And today he's just as good as he was yesterday and tomorrow it'll be the same. And, and, and he'll never change in his goodness. And if he is that good. Can he make the guy that just cut me off in the freeway something good, too? Yeah, I think he can. Can he just make the kids breaking something that was priceless good? Yeah, he can. Can he make some difficult situations in your life? Us going through our our things with our son. Can he make that good? Man, can he make that good? Amen. He can make that real good. (laughs) One day I was at the church. We we have this uh, really huge facility. It's gigantic. And we have a real little congregation. <laughs> so I end up doing a lot of work. And in, 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 in that's okay. That's, that's the way God has it. I really kind of enjoy that stuff. But I was out spraying weeds one day. And you guys around from around here, you understand what that is. And why you got to do that. And I was spraying re- weeds. And I felt, you know, I started off kind of, you know, this is fun. I don't mind doing it. Then I then I kind of felt, you know, some disgruntledness come, kind of come in. You know what I'm saying? And, and all of a sudden, you know, it wasn't fun. And all of a sudden in the back of my mind, you know, I'm starting to grumbling and, and starting to grumble and start thinking, you know, starting to complain and all this. What in the world was going on? What happened? I autumn. Well, it got hot. <laughs> that happened. But I forgot that God was doing something good. See what I'm saying? It just happens like that. And if I can keep my mind focused on God, I mean, look at the benefits of focusing on God like that. I mean, I get to every trial I have in my life gets to focus me on the greatness and the glory of God. Isn't that something that's amazing? Yeah, we need that in our life, don't we? Number two, we're going to look at. Believing that God's work. Believing that God is working good in every circumstance. Pretty much the same as last point. But we need to understand that he's working good in every circumstance. Like I understand that I'm speaking in front of a group of people this size. That there's people that are going through stuff. Amen. Going through stuff. And I I get that. And there's some stuff in life like spraying weeds that, you know, they're just not a big deal. And, and, and to consider that joy is not really that hard to do. You know, it, it's small stuff. We're getting a little stronger. We're flexing our muscles. We need to do that. That's okay. But we're going to fall into other situations, aren't we? There's some in, in, in here that have situations with their children. You know, maybe with their loved ones. And, and maybe some of you, somebody has has hurt you. Maybe uh, some of you, someone that you love is 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 hurting And it. You know, how do you find this thing joyous? Milton was talking about the uh, church I was at before here was a predominantly senior citizen church. And and uh, we had a lot of deaths there. And I know that sounds morbid, but, you know, they were seniors. So uh, they uh, it, it was different. 
And, and, and so when somebody that was, you know, 80, 90 years old that, you know, their body is just done, everybody knows that and they, they, they pass away and there was, there was almost like a mercy, you know, there was like a relief and it's, oh, well, you know, they're home with the Lord and there was peace there. They thought it was good. And that happened most of the time. Every once in a while, I find somebody that wasn't the case. Some that would come up to me and just start praying, says, Pastor, I've been praying and I don't believe that this person is going to pass away. I believe that God is going to heal him. We should have faith. Absolutely. And then all of a sudden that person passes away. And they just never switch gears. They don't see that that was good. And, and obviously, I'm not saying death is good. Obviously, death is bad. And, and, and when we get to eternity, all that will be eradicated. But, but in the sense that God can use that for good and, and that God and then death is God's timing. And just being able to see that. And this person or these people that struggle with that, they couldn't see it. And it affected their lives. Affected their marriages affected their walks with the Lord to the point to where maybe they left the church. Maybe they left the faith, sometimes even got divorced. And I understand it's difficult to see that God is doing good in some of these very, very hard situations. Let me quote Spurgeon for you and if you've already if they've already quoted that for you can you read that wow it's there by the way (laughs) even if you can't read it uh uh, yeah uh if you've already read this just act like it's your first time amen all right Spurgeon said this is it's amazing He's, he's he's he said I'm afraid that all the grace that I have gotten out of my comfortable and easy times and happy hours might almost lie on a penny But the good that I have received from my sorrows and pains and griefs is altogether incalculable. What do I not owe to the crucible and the furnace, the billows that that blows up the coals and the hand which has thrusted me into the heat? I bear my witness that the worst days I have ever had have turned out to be my best. That's the glory of God, isn't it? That's the glory of God, that he could do that. I can bear my, per, my personal testimony that, that the, the best piece of furniture that I have in the house was a cross. I do not mean the material cross. I mean the cross of affliction and trouble. In shunning a trial, we are seeking to avoid a blessing. Look, I understand that in this room, there's people that are going through very difficult things. And I get that. And I I sympathize and I understand. And we go through a little bit, obviously not as as bad as what you're going through. But what God is doing in your life is he's stripping you down so that you might be able to see and enjoy that God is your greatest treasure. Amen. Man, that's what he's doing. And he's doing that through these trials and he's, he's putting persecution. He's putting weights on your head so that you might have to go down to your knees. Guys, I was in our core group. And, and one thing they knew that I didn't know was this. I didn't know this. 
And they were trying to teach me. And I appreciate Jonathan Jones in the house sitting down with me for hours trying to help me understand some of these things. And all these guys trying to help me. And and I really didn't understand that, that that's exactly what God is doing in these trials. That he is breaking us so that we might see that self is not as important as we think it is. That, you know, I I might think highly of myself. I might think that I deserve certain things. I might think that people should treat me certain ways. I might think that the drivers on the freeway should just bow down when I drive by, right? But through trials, I understand the truth. And what is the truth? That I need to die so that Christ might be seen in my life. And the only way that's going to happen is through trials. And considering it joy is part of the way that we make that happen. Amen? Amen. Let's go on to the third point. There's this huge clock right in front of me. That thing's not right, is it? Just checking. Nah. Man, that's terrible. <laughs> third point. Well, they, they, I say that at my church, too. So they don't even laugh anymore. <laughs> Just joking. Third point is believing that God is conforming us into his image through our circumstances. Believing that God's circumstances have a bigger point in our lives. Now, look, I appreciate that, that my circumstances are causing me to, to worship and enjoy God. That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? And if that was enough, then that would be enough. That my circumstances caused me to realize I can't do this. God is doing something good. So let me think about what good he's doing. And if that was enough, I mean, if that was it, that would be plenty. But he's doing more than that. He's using these trials to conform me into his image. Verse 3 says this. James chapter 2, verse 3. Or James chapter 1, verse 3. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Now, I know that that word has been translated in some versions as patience. That's an unfortunate uh, translation. The, the Greek word there, hupomone, uh, is, is actually means endurance. It's a steadfastness, perseverance. It's a spiritual endurance. What he's, what he's talking about there is, is when you go through these trials, it's going to make you a little stronger. You, you know, a weightlifter is going to go into the gym. You can see that's not me, but, but a weightlifter can go into the gym and he lift weights. It doesn't get any funnier than that. Thank you. Thank you. But he goes into the gym and he lifts weights and, and he gets stronger because of the repetition, Right? And in the same way that we go through trials, in the same way that as we go through trials. Now, now I want you to know, do the trials make you stronger? The answer is what? The trials don't make you stronger. It's considering the trial as joy that makes you stronger. It's the faith it takes to see that God is doing something good in the middle of that trial in your situation. And as you see that and as you see God from that perspective that he is doing something good, he promises that he is going to do something in your life. What does that make you stronger? You're going to start growing. You're going to start growing stronger spiritually and you're going to start 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 being, being able to understand more and be able to endure more and, and to to handle up uh, under more trials. Now, now, listen to this. 
three and four work together, and this is just beautiful. Excuse me. Verse four says, and let endurance have its perfect result so that you might be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, putting three and four together, knowing that the testing of your faith produces uh, endurance. And then he says, let endurance have its perfect work. Now, what you, you, you see the two, you see the play on words there, endurance and perfect. And there's James is doing that. Now, James's writing style is is unique. If you haven't studied James yet in depth. Wow. I mean, it's it's unique and, and you know, it's tough. And, and uh, uh, Luther calls it a, a, a stack of straw just because it seems like it's everywhere. But what James, James in his in his poetry and his Hebrew poetry is putting us together here. He's 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 wanting us to see the parallelism. Uh, and, and he's saying, look, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And he says this. And if you happen to let endurance have its perfect work, if you happen to choose to continue in the endurance, then I will make you perfect. But the thing is, you have to continue to consider it all joy. And guys, that's hard. It's hard, isn't it? As I was getting ready to to preach this message and when I... When I first preached it, it was exciting. It was I was passionate about that. I remember seeing Milton at the Shepherds Conference. and It was just kind of oozing out of me. And now it's been six months or three months or however long. And and you you kind of, you know, you you get dull on something. You you know, it it becomes something that, you know, and you no longer live and it's not your passion. And, And and so it's very easy to not consider this joy. Very easy. I mean, you, you might be trying to trying to be joyous, right? It's different. Trying to find joy in the situation, different, not the same thing. But to consider it joy means that you see it as good. And guys, that's hard, man. It's spiritual battle. You have to die to yourself and all the things inside you, your, you know, your own self-value that thinks, no, I deserve this. And it's tough. But when you do that, look at what happens. This is cool. And let endurance is a command. Now, there's two commands. First command was considerate joy. Second command is let endurance have its perfect work. You see how those commands work together? You know, he's basically saying considerate joy as a command, considerate joy, another command. Right. But but he's saying uh, let endurance have its perfect work so that you might be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. What does the word perfect there mean? Well, in verse 17, we looked at uh, the word perfect. Maybe we can get back to that. Verse 17, chapter, there we go. And and he talks about God as being the the giver of the perfect gift. Uh, Teleos, perfect. It just, it is talking about God himself, that he is a perfect God and he gives perfect gift. The word perfect is talking about being just like Christ. How do we become conformed into the image of Christ? By seeing that God is doing good in our circumstances and our situations. And and you might be able to do that once and praise the Lord for that. And that is a miracle. And, and that's huge. And I know how much, how difficult that was for you. But if you do it twice, you're going to start to grow. If you continue to do it three or four times, it's going to create some habits and you're going to see some spiritual growth. God is going to do some amazing things in your life. Now, why is it? 
I don't know about you. I'm, in, I'm kind of questioning these things. Why is it that considering this joy that seeing God is doing good is going to cause me to grow? I came up with four things. I, I thought you might enjoy those. These aren't in your notes. These are just extra. I'm not even going to charge you for these. First one is because it causes us to see that God is good. Man, guys, I need to see God more, don't you? What's the problem in my day? What is the biggest number one problem in my day that I don't see God enough? What is the reason why that I sin? Because I'm not seeing God in my life. God is not enough for me. So I sin because I'm not keeping my eyes on Christ. It's my, my God is, is the, the, the cup that I fill up with, with God has holes in it. Does that make sense? And, and the flesh is drawing it out all the time. So as I fill up with God, the flesh is pulling that out. Before I know it, man, it's empty. And I got to continue to fill it up. Like, like somebody was saying this, this, this morning that one week's enough, not enough. Man, I don't think one hour's enough. I mean, I just got to continue filling up and filling up. And the more I see his beauty and that he's gorgeous and that he does great things and that he loves me in amazing ways. And I start seeing the gospel and just how how he's forgiven me and how he's loved me and how I should have been given the wrath of God. And he's given me blessing. He's given me given me mercy. The more I see that. Right. The more my problems get smaller, don't they? Because my God gets huge. Look, it's it's hard to get up here and preach like this. Amen, Milton. And if I was just trying to entertain you, it would be thousands times harder. But I believe in our God. And the more I believe in that, the easier it is to do things like this. And, And the more that we believe how great and how big God is, the easier it is for us to trust in him. But it comes from worship and watching that clock. How do or why does considering it joy transform me? Why does it conform me into God's image? Because it's thinking about God, because it causes me to trust that he is enough. He's enough, right? I was listening to a sermon going to a shepherd's conference. And this pastor was saying, you know, the reason we sin. Because Christ isn't enough. Wow. Wasn't that convicting? It wasn't that convicting. And just thinking about this reminds me that Christ is enough. Look, I don't need I don't need the the things I think. Look, why is it so hard for your kid to go through difficulties like we're going through and some of you are going through? Because it's not what you wanted for your kid. Amen. It's not what you think is good into to see the reality of the cross is that what I deserve is the wrath of God. And just to just to think about that, that God has given me so much more than I ever deserve. And not that he's just given me what I deserve. He's given me the best. I mean, it's 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 not with my. You know, it's not my dictionary of defining best, but he has given me the best. Why else can we consider or why else did our circumstances conform us? You know, and I enjoy this one. 
since he's already done it, I don't have to do it. Right? It just focuses me, forces me to realize that God's doing this. My flesh wants to be in control. My flesh wants to, to, to take charge. My flesh wants to get out in front of God. And the more I realize that I have to consider it all joy, the more I realize is that God's already in control. So I don't have to. And then lastly, let me get to the last point. The last point is believing that in Christ, I have power to consider it all joy. We can do this. We can do this. Now, you might be looking at it and you might be saying, brother, I, I can't, man. And, and, if, and if you haven't put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior, you can't. You will not. You cannot do that. But if you put your faith in Christ as your Lord and Savior, Bible says you can do all things through Christ. You can do this. You might be saying, Pastor, I've tried hard, man. I've tried really hard and I've tried to consider it joy. And man, I just tried to, 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 to make it joyful in my life. But yeah, did you consider it good? Not that the evil is good. And I want to make sure we're on the same page. I'm not saying that, that any evil that has done, been done to you is good. It's not good. It's evil. And I'm not saying that you can't mourn and have sorrow in your life. Certainly you can. But I'm saying that there is a greater grace than all of that. Amen? And that is through the way that we see God. And as we see him, we consider him that way, we can find joy. How do we do this? James 1.25. James 1.25, how do we do this? Is by look, sorry, did I, I change that? I did change that. I messed them up. By looking intently into the law of liberty. As why can't I do this? Why can't I? Why don't I find victory over it? Number one, I'm not considering it too good. Number two, I'm not spending time in the perfect law of liberty. I've got to spend time seeing the word of God. Guys, you might you might want to worship God all you want. And, and, and you, you know, like me sitting back and I really appreciate Milton's sermon. He was talking about uh, me, me needing to, to, to praise, praise God and to thank Christ for what, what he did. But I had spent 15 years as a pastor preaching on how to be a good Christian. And how to obey God. And I spent no time learning how to worship at all. I didn't understand sanctification at all. Guys, this is how we grow. We grow by looking into the law of liberty and seeing God. And and just spending time. Guys, you can worship God, but without spending time in the word, you don't know the God you're worshiping. So you got to spend time in the word so that you might learn him, so that you might see who he is, so you might learn what he's done. And it's great listening to to beautiful songs like we had today. Amen for that. Right. And it's great listening to sermons and all that stuff. But that's just a little bit diluted compared to reading the word of God yourself. If you find yourself a little weak in these trials. Number one, realize that you need to consider what you're going through is good. 
Number two, you need to spend more time looking at God. Number three, you need to humble yourself. Thank you so much, whoever a guy was talking this morning about repentance. Wasn't that great? Yes, we need to talk more about repentance. You can worship God, but you can't grow until you what? Until you repent. You know, you've got to, you see God and his beauty and all that, but that changes you. And, and I've got to repent and I've got to acknowledge that. So I've got to humble myself before God. And that's where I start seeing my growth come about. In closing, I realize that life is hard. And I get that. And, and I think all of us are, are trying our best to serve God and trying. And I wouldn't say any less of you guys. You're really trying hard. But I would challenge you to look deep into your heart. To ask the question. Do you really see, do you believe that God is doing something good in that situation? I mean, when somebody cuts you off, when the kids do something that kids do, amen, like Johnny did, right? You know, when Johnny does what Johnny does, when the dog does what the dog does, when somebody says something, they might even intended it well today, but, you know, well for you, but you, you know, you kind of took it harsh. How do I consider that joy? By realizing that God is doing something good. He's doing something good. And those that are going through difficult, real hard difficulties in your lives, guys know that I'm sorry and I'm not trying to belittle what you're going through at all. I, I get it. It is hard. And, and I understand that, that maybe something has happened in your life and it's just hard to see that God has done good in this. And maybe you can go through a list and say, yeah, God, God's done good, good, good. Mm, this one, I don't know. And it's that one that we got to work on, isn't it? It's that one that we have to work on, that we have to see that God is doing something good in. And as we see God and as we see that he is a good, loving God and only does good things and that that he is there for you and he's going to give you the grace and he's going to bring you the body around you. And, and as you start to trust and by faith, start to lean upon him and start to trust that he is doing something good. You see this peace start coming in your life that you've never seen before in victory come over. I don't know how God is going to do good in your life. I don't know what that's going to look like. And if you're going through something really bad, I don't know how he's going to turn that to good either. I have no idea. But I'm convinced of. And no one's ever going to going to sway me in any way at all. I am convinced. I am dedicated. I am committed to the fact that God is doing something good. My son's life, we don't see it all the time. You don't always know, and it's frustrating at best. But that's our hope, isn't it? That's our trust. And the more I trust and the more I see that God is doing something good, the more joy, the more peace, the more understanding, the more grace I find in my life. My commitment, my my call, my encouragement to you this morning as I close. Consider it all joy by realizing that our good God is taking whatever has happened to your life, evil, bad, indifferent, 
and he's turning it to good. Why? Because he's a good God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Fathers, we come to before you this morning. We realize that life is just hard. It's hard to, to see, you know, stuff going on in our life is good. It's hard to see that that you are changing this evil stuff into good. It's it's hard to see that we have grace to be able to do that. It's it's hard to sometimes even get out of bed in the morning. Fathers, we look and we see your greatness. We look and see your love. Life starts to make sense. You are good. You've promised to do good and you will do good. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.